0: Morning prayer begins on page three of the prayer book. The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Continuing on the bottom of page seven. O Lord, open thou our lips.
1: And our mouth shall show forth thy praise.
0: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now
1: and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised.
0: Psalm 95 on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 119, verses 81 through 96, beginning on page 495. My soul hath longed for thy salvation, and I have a good hope because of thy word.
1: Mine eyes long soar for thy word, saying, O when wilt thou comfort me?
0: For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes.
1: How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou be avenged of them that persecute me?
0: The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law.
1: All thy commandments are true, they persecute me falsely, O be thou my
0: help. They had almost made an end of me upon earth. But I forsook not thy commandments. O quicken me after thy loving
1: kindness, and so shall I keep the testimonies of thy mouth.
0: O Lord, thy word endureth forever in heaven.
1: Thy truth also remaineth from one generation to another. Thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, and it abideth.
0: They continue this day according to thine ordinance for all things serve thee.
1: If my delight had not been in thy law, I should have perished in my trouble.
0: I will never forget thy commandments, for with them thou hast quickened me.
1: I am thine, O save me, for I have sought thy
0: commandments. The ungodly laid wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies.
1: I see that all things come to an end, but thy commandment is exceeding broad glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy ghost as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen Mm -hmm. here begins the 18th chapter of the first book of samuel and and it was so when he had finished speaking to saul that the soul of jonathan was knit to the soul of david and jonathan jonathan loved him as his own soul Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house any more. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even his sword, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it had happened that they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul, with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang as they danced, and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand, as in other times but there was a spear in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall with it, but David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence, and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, because he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter Merab; I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So David said to Saul, who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Mahalathite as a wife. Now Michal, Saul's daughter loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly, and say, Look, the king is delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants broke, spoke those words in the hearing of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am poor and a poor and lightly esteemed man? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner David spoke. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry, But one hundred foreskins of the philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies but saul thought to make david fall by the hand of the philistines so when his servants told david these words it pleased david well to become the king's son-in-law now the days had not expired therefore david arose and went he and his men and killed two hundred men of the philistines and david brought their foreskins and they gave them in full count to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Mishal, his daughter, as a wife. Thus Saul, Saul, n- Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Mishal, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war. And so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. Here endeth the first lesson.
0: The other Benedictus S on page 11. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art Thou in the temple of Thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art Thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art Thou in the glorious stone of Thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art Thou in the firmament of Heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 16th chapter of
1: the Gospel of St. Luke. And he also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward Then the steward said within himself what shall I do for my master is taking the stewardship away from me I cannot dig I am ashamed to beg I have resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship they may receive me into their houses so he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first how much do you owe my master and he said A hundred measures of oil so he said to him take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty then he said to another and how much do you owe so he said a hundred measures of wheat and he said to him take your bill and write eighty so the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband, commits adultery. Here endeth the second lesson.
0: Benedictus on page 14. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not Thy Holy Spirit from us. O God, whose never-failing providence ordereth all things both in heaven and earth, we humbly beseech thee to put away from us all hurtful things, and to give us those things which are profitable for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth the eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us, thy humble servants, in all the assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning to all. A few notes today. Uh, First of all, excuse me, our... um, Wednesday is, Wednesday is our day of prayer and fasting, and just to note about that, I was reminded uh, I got some communication from Bishop Wilson. We have the synod coming up in October in Orlando, and he's, he may come visit us again after that synod. Bishop Wilson is in South Sudan, and we started our Wednesdays as a day of prayer and fasting about a decade ago when he visited us, and he preached a couple of our churches, and he said, you know, if you want your churches to grow, you need to fast and pray. And so when they fast and pray in South Sudan, uh, they don't eat for like three days. They gather and sing and do a lot of stuff. And I, so I probably can't pull that off, but we did institute um, a day, a Wednesday of of every week to um, establish in our practice the habit of turning away from something and turning towards God in prayer for mission. And that's what we ask people to do on this day is, Fast in some way, according to your ability and health. And then we have our litany for mission, which you can find on our DHT.org website. If you can't find it, reach out, we'll get you a copy. And pray the litany at, at some point in time, day. usually an evening prayer. That's why you do it at an evening prayer. We fast during days in some way. And then at evening prayer, we pray the litany. And this institutionalizes this turning away from things and towards God. And the day is also a good spiritual discipline because fasting is a, underappreciated discipline in our overindulged culture. It's good to have a day a week where you say no to things that you usually say yes to. It it, it is spiritually profitable. So that's kind of the origin of that. A few notes about our lessons. Um, The overall framework of this looming battle between Saul and David does a lot to help us understand the Psalms. And so, for example, in um, The Psalms where today, uh, in verse 85, the psalmist says, The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. Um, And they'd almost made an end of me upon earth, for I forsook not thy commandments. And the Psalms are often um, set in this sense of being persecuted, the righteous being persecuted by the unrighteous. And since David is the chief psalmist, we understand for the next season of his life, he's going to be, as the Lord's anointed, he's going to be running from Saul, who's going to try to kill him unjustly because he's jealous of him. And in the larger sense of the spiritual battle, this is the persecution of God's people by the evil one, who who the, the mythology of the evil one is that he, Lucifer was a glorious angel who became jealous of the more glorious son of God. And therefore, Uh, is always spitefully attacking God's people. Um, And this is played out in the drama of Saul and David, and in the larger drama of our lives where we pray the Psalms, and the assaults of our enemies are are not just the people we don't like, although it's fun to pray that sometimes, but because of our own mixed motives, sometimes these aren't really our enemies, but the real enemy is the evil one, and the various temptations we face that besiege us. And in the midst of that temptation, we hold on to God's word and to God in our prayer. And as we stay faithful, hold on to the word of God and to the word, our Lord, and remain faithful, we are kept safe from the evil one. And God sees us through our trial. And as will happen with David, we will be vindicated, ultimately, as David will be vindicated by receiving the kingship. So that, that setting for the Psalms is important to understand as we kind of always pray them. A couple of brief notes about the lessons. Um, in, in the Samuel lesson, there's this verse where David is, is knit to Jonathan. And some people have tried to make something untoward about this, but it's pretty obvious what this means. And we've already heard it from Jonathan that um, he was, you know, he was a daring warrior like we had the story where he took he and his armor bear went up and attacked the fort of the philistines just because jonathan wanted to go do it out gallivanting around looking for a battle to fight and so jonathan sees david go down and fight goliath goliath he's like yeah this is i I get this dude and these are two guys who 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 have a deep faith in god and believe in with that faith they can do anything And that's unique. And when people have that sense of a warrior spirit, they're there. And so Saul and Jonathan are become friends. And it's ironic that Saul already has almost put Jonathan to death due to a weird, you know, you know, if anyone eats till evening, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to kill him to, to try to threaten people to go into battle when Jonathan is the one who won the battle. And so Saul Already is his um, self-centered sort of narcissistic functioning where he's just worried about the moment, what he feels like in his own anger. He, he ends up opposing the very people who could save him. And that's what we see in this um, story. Um, Saul's pride and insecurity end up making him an opponent of David, the guy who has saved his kingdom. And um Pride is an application to us. Pride does not allow the gifts of other people to flourish. When we're proud, it's always about how I can maintain my territory. And when someone threatens it, we'll execute them. And that's why the answer to pride is humility, where we allow the gifts of others to flourish. And if in some areas someone else's gifts exceed our own, uh, we should be glad for those gifts. And because they 're not in the kingdom of God, these gifts are not competitive um, they're they 're complementary and um i've seen this in leadership where people are so jealous of 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 the talents of others that they they don 't so all they get around them you know are people who can say yes and and therefore the kingdom doesn 't grow and so saul it's interesting here there's a sort of suicidal narcissism about Saul that will um because he's so self-focused, he's going to undermine and destroy his own kingdom. And that really is the psychology of evil, because it can't get out of the moment and survival and what I think and visceral reactions to the long-term focus on uh, the will of God and doing what is right over time that vindicates us, which is sort of the perspective of the Psalms. And briefly on the, on the gospel story, um, clearly the the essence of the parable is that the servant the servant who works for the master is representing us in the world where we earn income or a living we get money, but that's um that's <clears throat> unrighteous ma'mmon, or that's not as important as the kingdom of God, so the parable encourages us to use the temporal goods of this world to make friends of. Of God's people and to use it for the kingdom that when this temporary thing wears out, we'll have, uh, you know, God and his people welcome them. And I think God's people, this is the idea of being of being generous to those in need, they will welcome him into the eternal habitations. So it's not just God being pleased with this is God's people being generous to those in need. And then they'll be favorable. You know, this is the communion of the saints where All of God's people welcome us into the kingdom because we made friends with temporal things, which is, of course, just the opposite of what Saul represents, where he um, holds on to the temporal things and uh, opposes anyone who who takes would take those from him. The the perspective of the kingdom is to be open handed with temporal things and generous and letting go of that. And in that we store up a a reward that that is eternal. So a few thoughts about the lessons today. We'll conclude morning prayer this morning with the intercession on page 590. Accept, O letter intercessions, for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as I have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. will pause to remember the intercessions while we're present. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities for his sake and about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace for our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost with us all evermore. Amen. Good to be with you all this morning for prayer. Happy Blessed Wednesday. Thank you, Bishop, well,
1: Bishop. bye Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye, kiddos.